listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Well, you just heard the golden voice of the man from above at Fox Sports Radio. It's that time of week again, and we've got another epic show for you folks tonight. As I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show, and you can script everything but the ending. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the, week- the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save on your auto insurance. What else are you going to do with your phone for the next few minutes? Look at pictures of food your friends ate? Again, call 1-888-FARMERS for a quote. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Tonight I tackle a subject that's become more and more in the news lately, and that's player empowerment and the demand for trades when when you don't get your way. But let's not act like that's a new thing. I'm going to take you down memory lane and how long this has really been going on. You might be surprised. By the way, the final numbers are in for the Super Bowl 55 as far as the Las Vegas sports books. And we'll take you behind the counter to tell you how things went for the COVID Super Bowl. Plus an oddball story involving a streaker bet and an alleged $50,000 wager. I'll answer the question that's been asked a hundred times, and that's what a regulated market like Las Vegas will accept as a bet and what they won't, and give you the truth behind the streaker bet. Later on, after Brian Finley's update, Sleepy will weigh in on another best bet. We're off to college basketball now. Then I'm going to go set the record straight on the anatomy of a betting line and how I learned the hard way after the first Super Bowl I ever attended. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports and plenty of fodder to twist your brain in knots. Plus, we've got more best bets at the end of the show. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. As they say in Sid Hartman, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right. Recently, we've heard about what what some people are characterizing as selfish trade demands. You know, first Kobe, or check that, Kyrie Irving wanted out. Then Kevin Durant wanted out. Then James Harden wanted out. And when you know it, these three musketeers, well, they're forming one of the most disjointed collection of individual superstar talent that, in my opinion, will never win a damn thing. Then it comes down to the affable Deshaun Watson, who wants out of Houston because he's upset. Now, this is where I hold two thoughts concurrently. I like Deshaun Watson, and I think he's an exceptionally gifted player. But don't try to make me feel sorry for you, Deshaun. You signed a generational contract after your favorite receiver was traded. No one made you do it. How about what the hell? You had at least 111 million reasons to take the deal. Meanwhile, you were then bent out of shape when the Texans brass forgot to check with you before beginning their coaching search. I get it. The Houston Texans management, well, their shorts aren't clean either because they said they would check with you first, so you have a right to be a little perturbed when they go back on their word. But to engage in all this passive, aggressive behavior when you don't get your way? Then Matt Stafford joined the fray. Well, this is long overdue, but when you add the fact his wife wasn't happy living in Michigan, and then allegedly, well, Stafford was mad when Coach Darrell Bevel wasn't retained in some capacity, well, that lit the fuse once and for all. He's off to Los Angeles And they don't even need to play the Super Bowl next year. Matt will take you there. Don't worry. Now, Russell Wilson? Say it ain't so, Russell. Now, I'm going to address each of these situations. But first, before we get too carried away as to the antics 
Of all these accomplished men, let's not act like this has never happened before. The empowerment of the professional athlete has been going on since Nixon was president. Here's a few notable examples I bet you didn't know about. How about Will Chamberlain? Will, well, he'd spent most of his days in the NBA yearning to be legendary, to be a guy remembered, to be great, and he definitely was. However, to get to that plateau, he was not only traded once but twice. So in 1968, for the price of a case of beer and a few new basketballs, Wilt Chamberlain was donning the purple and gold for the Lakers. See, Wilt was unhappy in Philadelphia with the 76ers. That's right. He was unhappy with a team that had just gone 62-20, and 20, a team that complimented him with legends like Hal Greer and Billy Cunningham and Chet Walker. Instead, he wanted to be part of a Laker team where he would just be one of the guys, not the guy, as he would be playing with Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. It's always seemed that Chamberlain left the Sixers for two reasons, to play in L.A. and to play on a team where he wouldn't have to be a leader. That was selfish. But here's a fun fact. Chamberlain actually won an NBA championship before wanting out. He won one in Philly in 67, and then again after he got to L.A. in 72. Hold that thought. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he had a pretty big challenge ahead of him when he was drafted by the Bucks in 69. However, Kareem helped those Bucks, along with Oscar Robertson, win a title two years later. Kareem played in Milwaukee until 74 after, at, at this point, he requested he be traded either to the Knicks or the Lakers. Now, the complaint I have here is that he split on the team after losing in the NBA Finals. Now, sure, he helped the Bucs win a title a few seasons before, but the fact that he was ready to give up on the team that had a failed Finals run because he wanted to play in a big city, sorry, he was selfish. But at least he won before and again after, and we got to the Lakers thanks to the help of a guy named Magic Johnson. How about Akeem Olajuwon? Now, I've always remembered Akeem as an all-around good dude, probably because, well, I'm not that smart. But, it, look, his trade request back in 1992 was really kind of selfish because this was back in the stages of Jordan's Bulls' three-peat run in the midst of that. And the Rockets were they were a team having difficulties coping with the struggles that come with an emerging basketball team. Now, before the start of the 93 season, his agent demanded a trade and threatened a lawsuit because of a disagreement and a suspension that had happened at the end of the previous season. By the way, Olajuwon had suffered a hamstring injury in the spring of 92, but he refused to suit up after team doctors cleared him to play and the team suspended him. Basically, had the Rockets not refused to trade him, Hakeem would have missed out on a chance at back-to-back -back titles because of a little spat with the front office. But let the record book show, Olajuwon won an NBA championship twice. Even the legendary Kobe Bryant, he won it out at one point. As the Lakers were moving from one era to another, they traded Shaq and put all of their eggs in the Kobe Bryant basket. Now, as you can imagine, their frustration when Kobe requested a trade of his own in 2007 after the team's second straight first-round exit from the playoffs, Kobe was upset with the players around him. He was upset with the direction of the team, so he wanted out. The only problem was the Lakers had dedicated everything to Bryant, and now he had requested a trade. They could have held on to Shaq and rode his tails the rest of their career, but they decided to back the Kobe horse and hitch their wagon to the Kobe wagon, who, even though he wanted out, won before and after, and yes, he will forever be a Laker legend. Now back to Deshaun Watson. You know, when I look at the Houston Texans dumpster fire, 
if I could look that management team in the eye, I would actually say, what is your goal? To be right or to get it right? Now you release J.J. Watt. Okay, 10 years in the league. He's broken down, missed 32 games in the last four years. And, you know, what do the Texans really need? I mean, they need a chaplain. All right, wait, they already have one. A guy by the name of Jack Easterby. The problem is, and I've started to come around to Deshaun Watson's side a little bit, and these are my thoughts. The most important component of a relationship is trust. That trust is gone. And it's pretty clear here the leadership in Houston is very sketchy. And you have to ask yourself, how in the heck did they get there or get here when just 13 months ago they were leading the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs 24 to nothing in the second round of the playoffs after beating Buffalo in round one. The Sean Watson is a transcendent talent. In his short tenure in the NFL, he's already thrown 104 touchdowns against 36 interceptions. He made the playoffs his first two seasons as a starter. He is a proven commodity. Here's where I'm going with this. Jacksonville, you've got the number one draft overall. You've already got a, a, a check mark against your better judgment by a certain hire you made, and now you've got a fall on the sword. You're not getting off to a good start. And the truth of the matter is, Urban Meyer, a lot of people have compared him to Nick Saban in the sense that they think he, he will have the same success in the NFL that Saban had, although Urban Meyer's success in college is undeniable. Bowling Green, Utah, Florida. Uh, Ohio State, look it up, it's in all the papers. But there's no guarantee he'll have success in the NFL. You need a quarterback. So if I were Urban Meyer and he were listening right now, and I know he is, and by the way, remember, like Houston, Jacksonville back in 2018, January, they lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. They were literally minutes away from the Super Bowl, and Brady and company came back and beat them. But they went 10-6 and that season with a guy named Blake Bortles and He had very underwhelming numbers, 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Here's why this makes so much sense. Jacksonville has the draft capital. They have 11 picks this year alone, and they have $74 million in cap space. So they can absorb Deshaun Watson's contract and not be in salary cap hell. And they can give Houston some draft picks, and now you've got your franchise quarterback. We're talking about a guy who is a proven commodity. That matters. Okay, I like Trevor Lawrence. He checks every box. No argument. But Deshaun Watson, to me, is the glimpse into the crystal ball of what Trevor Lawrence can be if everything works out for him. And his his shoulder surgery, I know it's the non-throwing shoulder, if that works out. But if you quick glimpse in history, there's no guarantees. Let's assume Lawrence is drafted first overall. Go back to 1999. There have been 28 quarterbacks drafted in the top five. Of them, only one has won a Super Bowl. guy by the name of Eli Manning. Of that group, only 14 of the 28 have a winning record and only two ever made an MVP. There is no guarantee. This is an inexact science. It's an inexact art. But if you get to Sean Watson, you can build around him. And I don't know that Jacksonville is that far away. If you get Trevor Lawrence, this year's a write-off. He's got to learn his way around the yard. He's going to be a marked man. And even if you have a good draft, you're going to get, be getting a bunch of guys that, frankly, haven't played in the NFL yet, most likely. 
Do yourself a favor, Jacksonville. Do yourself a favor, Houston. Everybody move forward. The idea isn't to be right. It's to get it right. The only thing that matters in this league are wins and losses. And at the end of the day, they don't ask how, just how many. And if Jacksonville goes 3-13 and next year, but they think they got it right with Trevor Lawrence, there are no brownie points. There is no redemption center. I repeat, do the right thing, Jacksonville. Let Deshaun Watson out of Houston. Do the right thing, Houston. Don't be stubborn. Get on the phone. Talk to each other. There's plenty to be made all the way around for everybody. Houston, you're starting over whether you like it or not. You just don't realize it. And Jacksonville, you're starting over too. Wouldn't you rather start over with a guy who might get Hall of Fame votes someday and he's a proven commodity? I know I would. All right, coming up, there's no football for the next 28 Sundays. But some final thoughts on the Super Bowl last week from a Las Vegas perspective. And we're going to sort out that little wacky story involving a streaker and a $50,000 prop bet. We'll give you the Vegas truth here. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show we always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save a bundle on your auto insurance. By the way, before I get to the Super Bowl numbers and the streaker bet, I just want to digress for a second. I brought up J.J. Watt's name. He is part of the Houston Equation. And he's or, there are already 12 teams that have reached out and inquired about his services. But there are only three I think he should really look at. And, and to me, and by the way, uh, an offshore uh, book, Sports Betting Dime, uh, they've, they've already posted odds, and Pittsburgh is the favorite at plus 175. A couple of teams that I thought would be maybe more in the mix, the Titans, they're at 17-1, to 1, the Dolphins are at 15-1, so they appear to be long shots. But it doesn't make any sense for J.J. Watt to go anywhere where they don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl next year. Okay, I know he's not what he once was, right? But once, he might be always as good as he ever was. And I mean, look, he still brings leadership quality, leadership skills. He can still be a game changer. He had 52 tackles last year, five sacks, had an interception, a couple of forced fumbles. But he brings a presence if you look at the Steelers, you take away other defensive injuries and you still wonder where they might have ended up, okay? I mean, they had some very good defensive metrics, and they were 11-0 for a reason. And they had a couple of stats having to do with yards, points allowed, heading into yards per play, heading into December that only the 85 Bears. So the Steelers were for real, and they fell apart, and Ben Roethlisberger got old overnight. But you really have to consider the Steelers a favorite there because they've got an edge and no other team can match, even though they don't have a lot of money. But J.J. Watt's already made $100 or $100 million in his career, so maybe money is not his biggest uh, concern right now. He wants to win a Super Bowl. But it would give J.J., if Pittsburgh brought him in, it would give him the unique opportunity to play alongside his two brothers, T.J. and Derek. That's never happened in the NFL before. It would make kind of for a really good reunion story. As I said, the, dealers, uh, the Steelers' defense – He's already among the best in the NFL, but you add J.J. Watt, and that helps a unit that would you know, per, you know, know, potentially make them even better. All right. The second team is Green Bay, who is currently plus 550 at Sports Betting Dime, needs to take a look at this. They can always use more defense. The Packers just made it to a second straight NFC title game, 
and Watt wants to join a contender. So those two elements are huge selling points. Plus, J.J. Watt's a Wisconsin native, and he was this you know, self-admitted Packers fan growing up as a kid. He just grew up a couple of hours from uh, Lambeau Field. And it's my understanding that J.J. Watt and Aaron Rodgers already are friends. They have a good uh, good relationship, and they say good things about each other. And so you look at a situation there. If uh, Green Bay has the you – know, and by the way, I, think, I do think Green Bay has enough cap space to make something happen there. The third team, and this is a bit of a long shot. Yeah, forget the Patriots because they're not going to win anything next year, okay? And Dallas, forget it. Why go down to that dumpster fire? They'll find a way to screw it up. The Bears are a weird team kind of hanging out there, a bit of a long shot. But I really think that if Matt Nagy is as serious about his future and, and Ryan Pace, this is a critical year coming up. You need to make a run maybe at, at J.J. Watt. But for Watt to consider the Bears um, – it, it might be a stretch. All I can say is this. Uh, it's going to be interesting where he ends up, and you know my position on Deshaun Watson, and I'm already looking forward to next football season, so he can't get here soon enough. All right, partly because the last one just ended, and we're not going to have football for the next 28 Sundays, but believe me, we'll have plenty for you here on Straight Out of Vegas. We always do. The Nevada Super Bowl betting handle turned out to be the lowest since 2016. That is when uh, Denver clowned all over Carolina and Cam Newton, but there's a reason. Okay, there are 184 sports books here in Las Vegas. The good news is they they turned a profit of 12 million against 136 million in wagers, and that's what's called a hold or a win percentage of 9.2. Not bad. The only reason the betting handle was down, and by the way, it was 132 million in in 2016, 136 million. It was over 150 last year. Is because of COVID. If there was no COVID, I, I firmly believe we would have set the all-time record here in Las Vegas on Super Bowl handle. People love coming to the Super Bowl parties here in Nevada, and COVID just destroyed it all. The bottom line is here in Nevada, the Super Bowl, the handle is driven by visitation. And when you consider Las Vegas, along with other destination markets, customers like to come, be entertained, wager on the game, have a favorite beverage, maybe a couple of cream de mints. And these are things that sports books were facing. So uh, when visitation is down for all those reasons that we just mentioned, uh, it's going to affect the Super Bowl betting volumes. But be that as it may, can all things considered, and my goodness, where we were uh, back in May in the dead middle of this thing, uh, everybody is, is really sort of pleased with these results. And Nevada even had a higher Super Bowl handle than New Jersey, whose Super Bowl handle was $117 million. Uh, on Sunday's game. And by the way, there were six $1 million-plus bets that were placed in Nevada or checked at. There were six $1 million bets placed in regulated markets on the game that we know of, and five of the six were in Nevada. So things are are healthy here. Come to Vegas. You're going to have fun. It's not going to be that much longer. You're going to see shows return. You're going to see conventions return. And other than people wearing masks, the, the activity in the sports books is brisk, and now we will be turning our attention to college basketball, among other things. All right, one other final bit of business about the Super Bowl is much was made of this infamous streaker bet. Now, this is what we know. Bovada, all right, Bovada actually listed a prop at plus 750. It was announced 
you know, week before the Super Bowl, that one of the offshore props, you're not going to see that in a regulated market here because Vegas sportsbooks do not offer props on events such as Gatorade or the National Anthem or fan running on the field. Okay, they're limited. Vegas is only going to offer props on events that can be verified in the final box score. So, Bovada had listed such a prop for giggles. The limit was $1,000 to bet. At plus $750, if you wanted to bet, yes, that in fact, someone would run onto the field during the game like a streaker. Well, somebody did run on the field. A gentleman by the name of Yuri Andrade, who I believe resides in Boca Raton, Florida. In the fourth quarter of Sunday's game, he ran onto the field. Well, somebody claims to have made a $50,000 wager at the plus 750 odds. That would have brought back a cool $375,000 if someone did run on the field. Well, wouldn't you know it? What an amazing coincidence. The guy who claims to have placed the wager was the guy who ran on the field. Imagine that, Yuri Andrade. The only problem is because of the irregular betting and the obvious fugazi that this became, Bovada stepped in and corrected matters. And first of all, since the limit was $1,000 per bet, how could this guy get a $50,000 down? Well, then he claims, A, he had, you know, had 50 of his friends put $1,000 down. Allegedly, okay, I don't want, look, I don't want to embarrass the guy. It happened. Let's move forward. But people don't know the story. I, everything I'm telling you is to the best of my knowledge, okay? We use the word allegedly. But since the limit on the prop was 1000 you know, when this gentleman allegedly claimed he got multiple people to wager on the prop, well, I, I don't know if that's true, but the good news is Bovada did what I consider to be a very honorable thing, and that is they refunded everybody's money who bet no. And that's the end of the story. It was fun to talk about, sort of, maybe, kind of. And, oh, by the way, Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl and now everybody's all upset about throwing the Lombardi Trophy from one boat to the other. And on that note, we move on. Coming up, Sleepy's got another best bet, and he's going to turn to college basketball. And I want to talk a little bit about the anatomy of a betting line and how people misuse and misspeak about the betting line in Las Vegas and what it really entails. But first... Well, let's go to the gentleman, and I know firsthand that Don King likes to hang out with him, and he tells me every time he does, it's always a hair-raising experience. It's Brian Finley with the latest. Oh, Bernie, you don't have any hair, so I guess you're right. Uh, by the way, you mentioned that there's no football for 28 weeks. You're forgetting about Johnny Manziel and his debut in the fan-controlled football league. He had a game over the weekend, and he went 1-5 of five through the air for 11 yards, and his team lost 48-44, to 44, and he said afterwards, quote, win or lose, we booze, close quote. That's Johnny Manziel. All right, to the NBA, Nets Kevin Durant filling it up with 20 points in his return to Golden State as Brooklyn takes it to the Warriors 134-117. James Harden 16 dimes along with 19 points, and Golden State's Draymond Green was asked about playing against KD and said, quote, it sucked, we got our blanks kicked, close quote. The Jazz improved to a league-best 22-5. They have won seven straight 
18 out of their last 19 as they disgraced the Heat 112-94. Donovan Mitchell had 26 points. The Knicks having no problems with the Rockets 121-99 as Houston falters for a fifth straight game and the Rockets played without Victor Oladipo who's still dealing with that foot sprain. The Suns overcome the 76ers 120-111. Devin Booker thriving with 36 points. In college basketball, number one Gonzaga takes a pitchfork to San Francisco 100-61. Drew Timmy, 28 points. He was going off early in this game, also had 10 rebounds. Meanwhile, Justin Turner took the liberty of breaking a story about himself. He is sticking with the Dodgers for a reported two-year deal worth $34 million in guaranteed money. This also includes a third year of a team option. Jordan Spieth, the leader, threw three rounds of the PGA Tour's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Two-stroke lead, there are five golfers, two shots back. Spieth's last win, 2017 British Open. And finally, Serena Williams and Naomi Osaka win in their third or their fourth round Australian Open matches in three sets to advance to the quarterfinals. And the third seed on the men's side, Dominic Team, just face planted in three sets, losing as he gets bounced in the fourth round. We'll be back now with Bernie Fratto, a man who once was on the varsity chess team in high school. Not true. Little JV Balls is senior. <laughs> there was talk about being called up to the big club, but it never materialized, Brian. And by the way, uh, thanks for reminding me about Johnny Manziel. You have him on your fantasy team? Why not? I mean, literally in my fantasy team because he's not really ever going to do anything ever again. Okay, this is in where my the dreams. show is gone, folks. Johnny Manziel fantasies, courtesy of Brian, the silver tongue devil. Finley. All right, Sleepy is back with another best bet, and uh, we're on our we're on to college basketball. And uh, actually, college basketball the last couple of years has been very profitable. Sleepy's going to take us out to the Pac-12 and a little game that I believe tips off four o'clock Pacific tomorrow. Let's give it a listen. All right, Bernie, straight out of Vegas, best bet for Sunday. I'm going to go to and I'm going to play Arizona State. Minus five and a half points against Oregon State. Arizona State, they will be at home here. Oregon State only has two road wins on the season. And this now makes a third straight road game for the Beavers. Arizona State, they have revenge from a mid-January loss to this Beavers team. The story in the first meeting was Arizona State's best player, Remy Martin, having a subpar performance. 0 from 8 from downtown and hitting just three field goals in the entire game. I certainly think that will change here for Remy Martin to get the Sun Devils to the finish line and the cover. Final few notes on this one. Arizona State coming off of a loss, so you would expect a rebound effort here. Arizona State also not turning the ball over an extremely low rate over the last month. Actually, number one in the Pac-12 with turnovers. And Oregon State, they've scored on average in the last four games just 56 points. Something with that team has got to change in the scoring department in order for them to get a win and get a win on the road. I don't see it here. I think the situation largely favors Arizona State. Remy Martin will take control of this game, and the basics within the box score will fall within line for the Sun Devils. My best bet, Bernie, for Sunday, Arizona State minus the five and a half. Arizona State, of course, coached by Bobby Hurley, and the one thing about Bobby Hurley is when you back him, you do get max effort out of his teams. One of his models is make everything difficult for your opponent. Nothing is easy. Let's get off to a good start. By the way, I will have a college basketball best bet at the end of the show. 
And McKenzie will have, I believe, an NBA best bet. So we continue on, folks. There may be no football, save for Johnny Manziel and his sparkling performance tonight, but there's still plenty of ways to cash a ticket. Speaking of that, you hear a little thing in Vegas always about the spread, the line, the odds, and it always makes my teeth itch when I listen to national sportscasters that I respect say something like, well, Golden State, Vegas has them by seven over like it's a prediction. The line is not a prediction. And I found that out the hard way. And I'm going to tell you a little story because there is an anatomy of a betting line. And this is a lesson I learned uh, while attending my first Super Bowl. And, you know, in my life, I've been very fortunate to actually have attended three Super Bowls. In fact, back in 2006, I covered Super Bowl 40 in Detroit between Pittsburgh and Seattle. At that time, I was with 97.1 FM CBS Radio, WKRK Sports Talk Radio. We had full access to the events, the parties, the whole enchilada. But I digress. Because that was not my most memorable Super Bowl experience, not by a long shot. You see, when I was growing up in Southern California, I was a huge L.A. Rams fan. And I even got to know quarterback Vince Ferragamo a little bit. And as the 79 Rams managed to finagle their way into Super Bowl 16 after start, check that, Super Bowl 14, after starting out the season with a 4-5 and five record, well, I was pretty excited. Now, the Super Bowl was played in the Rose Bowl that season on January 14, 1980, and it was marked by a certain distinction because, see, the Rose Bowl was only 14 miles from the Rams' home field, which at the time was the L.A. Coliseum. Now, that seems more noteworthy now since Super Bowl uh, 55 well, it was actually played in the home stadium of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's never happened before. But back in 1980, Super Bowl 14 came very close as the Rams played the game in the Rose Bowl. But this is where the story begins. See, because a week before the game itself, the Los Angeles Times, well, they published a noticeable element pertaining to this contest. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who would be the Rams' opponent, had actually been installed as an 11.5-point favorite in the game. Frankly, I was shocked. And I was actually, I was pissed. See, because how could my beloved Rams be disrespected in such fashion? And it led to a nice argument with my good buddy, Craig, who happened to be a huge Steelers fan. So we proceeded to make a $50 bet. And he was all too happy to lay the wood, and I couldn't grab the points fast enough. So here I am, I've got the Rams plus 11.5 points, and we're going to the game. By the way, for the record, Neither of us knew what the hell we were doing. I could talk sports and write sports, but true handicapping was completely foreign to both of us. However, I became very curious as to how, quote, Vegas could make such a bold prediction. So I got to the Rose Bowl six hours before the game because I wanted to soak it all in. I'm thinking to myself, how could Vegas predict that the Steelers are going to win this game by more than 11 and a half points? I don't get it. And I was confident, too. I just was. And the Rams led 13-10 to 10 at the half. I even, I even started to get a little cocky. And when the fourth quarter began and the Rams were still on top, 19-17, to 17, I started to count my money. But when Terry Bradshaw and Rocky Blyer and Lynn Squan and the whole Mishpuka, well, they led the Steelers to two fourth-quarter touchdowns and ended up defeating the Rams 31-19 to 19, I was almost in a catatonic state. See, for the record, the Steelers not only won, but they managed to cover that 11.5-point spread, I guess in part because kicker Frank Corral missed an extra point for the Rams. Imagine that. How many betters out there have 
<laughs> have lost because of a missed extra point. Be that as it may, I was left shaking my head as to how the bookmakers in Vegas seem to be so prescient in putting the Steelers at minus 11.5 points. So I actually began a course of study, and I landed upon a truism that even today, some folks still so, they don't seem to comprehend. The betting line is not a predictor. It's merely an instrument to create equal action on both sides so as to maximize the book's profit and minimize the risk. That little thing called the vigorish, well, that's simply the fee of better pays for the right to invite the bookmaker to record and accept your bet. That's why my teeth itch every time I see an uninformed sportscaster beller out. Vegas has predicted the Chiefs by three. No, first, Vegas is not a monolith. Lines vary from shop to shop on most events. There are 184 sports books here in Las Vegas. Plus, Vegas doesn't predict anything. Their goal is to create an equal betting market based on sophisticated mathematical tables and metrics. For football, it includes things like yards per play, yards allowed, passing stats, running stats, efficiency on first, second, third down, just to name a few. Furthermore, the data by which they draw from, it's been amassed over several decades. It's incredible. It's astronomical. Now, on Super Bowl Sunday, $136 million was wagered legally in Vegas, and likely another $5 billion across the country in non-regulated markets. But when they write the history books, a $50 loss I experienced back in January 1980, well, that provided the impetus for what would become a million-dollar education for me and what I would call the fabulous and intoxicating world of sports wagering. But I got to stay. I'm still waiting for a missed extra point to get me a cover so I could make up for the one that cost me. <laughs> Coming up, you know me, love me, can't live without them. Mackinac Sports and more stuff to stretch your brain. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Fox and check that. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas. One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live. From the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios, call 1-888-FARMERS and you could save a whole lot of something on auto insurance. Call Farmers today for a quote. Before we go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles for all their stellar work. We've got the silver-tongued devil, Brian Finley, Chris Perfett, Mr. Lion, and of course, co-host of the award-winning Swing Shift podcast, along with Bull Benson. That would be Ryan Bershinger. Always appreciate all your hard work, guys. All right, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. It's time for Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. And at the end of the show, he's going to have an NBA best bet, and I'm going to have a college basketball best bet for tomorrow. But first, I got to tell you, Mackenzie, the NBA has, in a sense, Flown a little bit of under the radar, but not in your world because you're keeping your finger on the pulse. This is my favorite time of year, February, March. We're getting into the playoffs. Yeah, it's NBA season. Football season was a wonder. What a Super Bowl matchup. Couldn't have asked for anything more. But, yeah, it's NBA time. And I I think uh, if, in case you missed it, I think there's a lot of storylines in the NBA that uh, you'll be excited to jump on as we get as we get going here. Well, not the least of which is the MVP race because you're actually projecting a gentleman. And by the way, you can bet on these things 
Uh, may I ask these 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 lines you're going to give? What was your source for these these odds? These oh, consensus. You know, here at pregame, we only have the best odds, meaning we take a consensus of the okay. entire market. All right, you sounds good. That. So I'm going to give you the floor, but I, th- this name you're going to utter here, it's going to piss off one guy in LA who's you know trying to play 48 minutes a night. You're talking about Joel Embiid, the MVP favorite in my book. He's yeah. second, second favorite to the books behind LeBron James. LeBron James is obviously having a great season on the number one team in the West, just behind the Jazz. But you're talking about individual excellence. You're talking about a per minute, per play basis. Joel Embiid is doing it nicer on the on both ends, offense and defense. Then we've seen. I think the theme of the season we talk about Joel Embiid is if Shaq challenges you, accept the challenge. Because I said for years, you know, Shaq's been getting on Embiid, getting on Embiid, saying he's not doing this, he's not doing that. I'm like, you know, he's the best center in the game. Give him a break. He had another gear. He had another level. You know, about five yeah. points per game, more per game, is the difference between Embiid and what Shaq was doing in the early 2000s. He's making that leap at 25, 29 points per game, 11 rebounds per game. Here's the names of other people that have done that this century. Shaq, Giannis, Anthony Davis, and now Joel Embiid. He is the best center in the game. All right, outstanding uh, information there. Now, let's put it on the record. If you had a vote, would you vote LeBron or Joel Embiid? Definitely Joel Embiid. I mean, just defense alone. He's a defensive player of the year. LeBron, you know, at at this age, isn't at that level. So I hosted the odd couple with Rob Parker yesterday, and uh, Martin Weiss does a little thing called rolling or trolling. And we were asked the question, who might have the better career, Zion or LaMelo Ball? And I got to tell you, I am super impressed with LaMelo Ball. I love his handles. He's got a beautiful stroke. He's got great vision. He's going to get nothing but better. Nothing against Zion, but he is what he is. Great lane runner and dribble drive guy. Get the hell out of the way. I'm going to break your face. I'm going straight to the hole. He's the same guy. He was with AAU four years ago. So you're rookie of the year. You've got some interesting stuff here. Yeah, LaMelo Ball, he's, you know, a week ago he was about minus 200. Now he's minus 500. He's clearly the number one guy. And Think about the hype that was with Zion last year. Every game, every TNT game, it was such a big deal. But, you know, quietly, LaMelo Ball at 19 years old is doing things we haven't seen since Magic Johnson. It sounds hyperbole, but look at this. First five starts, Magic Johnson at 20. He threw up 20 points, seven boards, six assists. LaMelo Ball, he finally earned that start a few weeks ago. 23 points, seven assists, six rebounds, and he's a year younger than the great Magic Johnson. I'm not projecting him to be the greatest point guard of all time, but I don't think we've seen a guy with this much versatility, this much confidence and swagger at 19 at the point guard position. I think he's going to have a better career than Zion Williamson. It's crazy. I that do is to say. too, and I will. I will tell you that your your comparison to Magic is not. Hyperbole. I was an intern at the Forum when Magic was a rookie, and in terms of court vision, yep. playmaking ability, as a matter of fact, it, it, Magic hadn't developed a perimeter game yet, all right? Z- uh, LaMelo can shoot, so he's a kid to watch. He's a guy I'd pay money to see and buy a ticket. All right, McKenzie, let's get to your NBA best bet. All right, I wanted to you know sneak this in here, so I was looking through the awards, how I could you know frame this. Well, the NBA Western Conference Player of the Week last week was part of my best bet, the Sacramento Kings point guard, De'Aaron Fox. I think this is a big brother, little brother situation. He simply has John Morant's number. He's 3-1 and one against him. He's the better, older point guard at this point. The Kings should be favored. They're getting 2.5 points. Sacramento Kings versus the Grizzlies, plus 2.5, best bet. And that tips off tomorrow. 
Yes, sir. All right, let's go to the college games, a game that will be played at the Kohl Center in Madison, Wisconsin, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific. The Michigan Wolverines, the very good Michigan Wolverines, take the court after having not played since January 22nd. You go into a Kohl Center where Wisconsin lives on its defense, seventh in the nation with just 88 points per 100 possessions. I like Wisconsin. Pick them, or now they're plus a point at the Kohl Center tomorrow against Michigan. That's our college best bet of the week. Take the Badgers tomorrow. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville who brings it strong. It's time for the Jason Martin Show. Keep it locked. Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!